The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. And every week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, come to you with the information that you need to hear about so that you can be informed about healthcare decisions for yourself and your family. The show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation stands for the principles of the doctor-patient relationship and for healthcare freedom for every American. Our website is www.d4pcfoundation.org. I am asking for your help. We need you to continue to support our um, organization so that we can continue to do the work that we do, including this great radio show that so many of you listen to every week. We... um, really can't do it without your help and we uh, uh, need it now more than ever so if you would be good enough to just while you're on your computer go to our website d4pcfoundation.org and give generously there's no amount that is too little or too much and it is very important for us to continue to do our mission so please uh, help us out we really need it and while we're talking about Docs for Patient Care Foundation. I wanted to um, tell everybody out there who is a physician, especially the um, primary care physicians, that it's still not too late to sign up for our direct primary care conference, the fifth of uh, fifth. I, w- I want to say annual, but it's really uh, been suspended for a few years because of COVID. But we have uh, once again resurrected this annual event that um, has been um, so popular among direct primary care doctors. It has given them the information that they need to enhance their practice. It has given doctors who were contemplating going into direct primary care the encouragement and knowledge so that they could go ahead and make that transition, getting off the hamster wheel of of insurance-based health care and uh, become um, – their own boss and advocate for their patients. And this has been an incredible conference. And um, this year we are making uh, changes so that it becomes an even better value p- proposition for the doctors who attend. The direct primary care doctors perform um, uh, services in their offices and uh, don't charge extra. It's all part of the uh, monthly subscription fee. So they take off minor lumps and bumps and do uh, their old-fashioned doctors, old-time doctors who are doing the things that doctors today don't do. If you go to a doctor today, they are basically what we call triage officers so often. They just look at you and then you tell them what's the matter and they 
they uh, say, oh, we want you to go see this specialist or we want you to go see that specialist. Well, the old school doctors didn't do that. They took care of patients and they took care of the majority of their needs. And that's what direct primary care doctors do. So our conference this year is geared toward those doctors and we are giving those doctors the opportunity to um, enroll in skill um, sessions with specialists who are going to teach them the um, skill sets that they need so that they can deliver those to their patients. Orthopedic surgery, ENT, urology, dermatology, wound management. So these are the extras that we are offering this year, which I think will make this conference even more special than it has been in the past. So um, please uh, go to the Docs for Patient Care website. You can learn more about our meeting. Um, and it's not too late. The meeting begins next Friday on November 11th and Saturday, November 12th. The skill sessions are on the 12th. And uh, anybody who is a primary care doctor out there who wants to learn more about this or if you know somebody who you think might be interested, please let them know about this so that they can uh, attend our meeting in Dallas, Texas. Um, so today... I wanted to talk to everybody about politics, and I know we're all so tired about hearing politics. I know I am. Um, and I will make you a promise that for the, the near future, I'm going to be talking about other interesting topics that are not politically based. But this week, I think that it is apropos to talk about politics. I know I'm sick and tired of all the commercials on TV. I, If I hear another commercial telling me how the candidate that I'm interested in is, is a child rapist or how they have tried to run over their spouse or they are pro or abortion or they are anti-abortion, I'm going to throw a brick through my TV. But up until this election cycle, <clears throat> we, um, we know that health care was the prime issue, at least the number two issue, if not the number one issue, in every election since 2008. But we're not hearing anything about it now. We're not, nobody's talking about it now. And that's because on the left, there are only three issues. The, the three issues are January 6th, um, the worst day in American history. It's three times as bad as 9-11 and, and uh, five times as bad as Pearl Harbor. Um, the other issues are abortion, the, the, uh, the conservatives um, trying to um, uh, take over women's rights, and Donald Trump. Everybody is uh, who is not a leftist is is a danger to our republic because they are Donald Trump supporters. 
and also election deniers. You know, the election deniers, that's, that's another big issue on the left. Forgetting about the fact that election denying started with the Democrats. It started with the George Bush Al Gore race. It went um, to the presidential race with Hillary Clinton denying the results and blaming the Russians. And in Georgia, Stacey Abrams still believing that she's the the true governor of Georgia. And, and so these we don't hear about their election denial, only the election denial on on uh, the part of the Republicans. And, um, you know, as far as the issues are concerned, which are no longer being debated, but they're not being talked about, are crime, the open border, the failing economy, the um, the gutting of um, energy independence in our country, the weakening of our military and our standing around the world, and I can go on and on and on. The issues are real. But these issues are so mission critical and so important, they're, they're, they're truly, um, they are, they're, Issues that the future of our country hinge on, that um, issues and problems that um, are lesser, like health care, which, as you know, on this show is never a lesser issue, but, but because the other problems are just so egregious that health care really gets overwhelmed it there's there's little place in the room for health care because of these other problems because of that it's really easy for the left to do damage to health care to your health care under the radar because the other issues are just are 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 just so enormous and 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 so prominent that they can do things in healthcare and you know there's just not enough energy to address this this these issues and that my friends is a danger because what I'd like everybody listening to this podcast to understand is that if the if the Republicans don't take power in Congress, they don't control the House, they don't control the Senate, the the future of health care is in grave danger. And I don't say that lightly. That's not just a glib, off-the-cuff remark. There's there's substance to that to to that concern to that um, to that uh, admonition. And I want everybody to understand what's at stake when you go to the polls. So many people have voted already, and this right now. Um, 
just uh, five days from Election Day is probably moot and falling on deaf ears, or it's really not applicable because you've already cast your vote. But for those who haven't, I can't overemphasize the danger to the future of health care if the Democrats continue on the path that they're on and they continue to retain power. And even with the Democrats controlling the White House, there is still opportunity and room to block the executive orders that this president, who is really not in control at all, but being manipulated and run by people behind the scenes who are all Obama operatives, Obama acolytes. They're basically enacting the third term of Obama, and we know what Obama did to health care. He is not done, and his people, who are really pulling the strings for Joe Biden, are uh, they, they have not given up on health care. Um, and even Obama hasn't. And Obama's out back out there on the stump trying his best to prevent the Democrats from losing the Senate. I think they've already given up on the House. But the Senate is very much in play. And the Senate is so important um, because what is going to happen in a... Uh, in the next Congress are going to be hearings and they're going to be um, uh, there's going to be a cost for the things that have happened these last several years um, and uh, and hopefully a lot of the health care decisions can be walked back. Let me share with you why I'm saying the things that I'm saying. And a couple of uh, shows ago, I was I was out for the, la- the last show um, at, at a medical meeting learning some things that I'm going to share with the audience in upcoming shows, some really cool things that, um, that I think uh, are important in healthcare and that I'm going to have some special guests on to talk about. But two shows ago, I recommended to everybody going to the Heartland Institute and reading about um, the healthcare um, their healthcare pages every every month they put out something that those of you on the podcast can see um, is uh, the uh, Heartland Institute healthcare news and I, I love this because it really is a um, a compilation of many of the healthcare stories that are happening that are hard to find and that nobody's really talking about. Um, people in the know, people who are in the weeds like I am, know about these things. But for the general public, these stories are so critical to understanding the what's happening in healthcare what's happening in this country and what the left is doing to our healthcare system and i want to share some of these stories again today because it emphasizes what happens when the left has control of the levers of power it is it is devastating 
to the healthcare system. What has happened, one thing that I think people don't realize is that the government has expanded Obamacare. It, it hasn't, it hasn't gone away. It's actually expanded. And Congress has enacted policies that expand Obamacare subsidies and substantially grows Medicaid managed care. And when that happens, private spending and coverage are being replaced by government spending and by government coverage. And what people don't realize is that since Obamacare started, the insurance companies make 75% of their revenue from the government. Let that sink in. Private insurance companies can, are being, are, they're not really being stood up by the government, but they're, the government is their biggest customer. And if you look at insurance companies, they have made record profits every year since the inception of Obamacare. And it's because so much money is flowing in to the healthcare system from government. And let's just talk about the Medicaid um, system. You know, the states, they, they um, administer the, the federal Medicaid program. And so what happens in states is that there are insurance companies that do nothing but manage Medicaid. And you would think, well, gosh, Medicaid, that's a low... The low-paying uh, program, it's for indigent people. It's not a lot of money there. Oh, boy, would you be wrong. In um, the, the second quarter of this year alone, of 2022, the Medicaid HMOs collectively, um, they collected $154 billion with a B, from the government, if you amortize that or you extrapolate that over four quarters, you're talking about um, six over six hundred billion dollars just going to insurance companies from the Medicaid system alone. If you factor in Medicare, we're talking about well over a trillion dollars going to insurance companies from the government. This is falling on the taxpayers. This is having a negative ripple effect on inflation. This is what happens when the Democrats, when the leftists are running the healthcare system. They are silently increasing the dependence of insurance companies and of individuals on government money and making it um, less and less possible for employers to be able to offer insurance because they are being squeezed out by the government. And uh, the um, 
this is this is but one of the many reasons why the um, Democrats can't control health care because we can't afford it. Just to give you a rough number, um, in um, between 2020 and 2021, the number of individuals that have been covered by private insurance has declined by 1.2 million people, while at the same time, the number of people enrolled in Medicaid rose by 3.2 million, and the number of people on Medicare increased by 1.7 million. So almost 5 million more people are on government programs, and uh, 1.2 million people... 1.2 million less people are on private insurance. And this is um, really uh, a, a bad sign for the future of of private insurance, and uh, and make and should make people worry about the government having an increasing role, playing an increasing part in your future health care. And this is what the plan is. It's to transition to this so that eventually the government will be calling the shots about what it is that um, you can and cannot get from from uh, the government. Let me let me tell you some other reasons why the why the Democrats should not play a role in health care. Joe Biden issued an executive order um, on September 12th, and it is the, quote, executive order on advancing biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation for a sustainable, safe, and secure American bioeconomy. That sounds really great, doesn't it? We're going to secure our... Um, our future and make sure that we have all the tools in place so that we can uh, be able to secure our um, biotechnology future. If you read between the lines, what this really is, it's an intrusion on American lives. What they want to do is they want to be able to harness your genetic material. They want to be able to take your cell lines using the Human Genome Project, and they want to harvest it, and they want to figure out how they can um, uh, use that information to match societal goals. That's the subtext of what this executive order is all about. And the point is, who is Joe Biden? Or who is any politician, for that matter, in a position to define what our societal goals are to unlock biological data, like your genome, and have your material, without your permission, be stored by the government? Because that's what this executive order gives them the the power to do. And... Americans were not asked about this. This is just happening because the president in power, based basically the people behind the scenes, 
push pulling the strings want your genetic material on file with the government so that they can figure out how they can use that material to um, have control over you. Now, um, what this what this really does it it is it binds biotechnology development to the same kind of agenda like climate change and societal issues. It's all part of this effort to to um, make the the um, America that w- that we once knew no longer exist and transform it into the utopian America that that uh, they wish to see happen. And if we learned anything from the pandemic about about the the danger of the government um, controlling the flow of information and the control of what we can and cannot do with regard to lockdowns or regard to mandates, this should be a wake-up call that should alarm everybody. But it's not because nobody knows about this. And this is what I mean when I tell you that the agenda of the Democrats, who are, as I've said on this show, more times than I can I can even think about, are leftists. They're Marxists. They are the true totalitarians. Those are the people who seek ultimate power. And they are great at manipulating the narrative and using their mouthpieces in the mi- mainstream media to um, to echo their message and, and their agenda. They're the ones who attribute the things that they're doing to the conservatives, to the Republicans, when in fact they're the ones who are trying um, to harness power and to um, gain ultimate control because... People who have freedom of choice, people who um, can think for themselves are a danger to their ultimate goal, which is to control the population. One more uh, thing that I'm going to start to talk about before our break is um, what happens in, in, in the Senate or in in um, in the House of Representatives, nothing has happened with regard to accountability for the COVID mess over the last several years. We've had some Republicans who have been part of committees who have uh, gone ahead and uh, asked specific questions, but there have been no repercussions there've been there's been no no accountability for the things that have happened over the last couple of years and what's what's funny what's interesting is that the atlantic a very 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 left leaning publication had an editorial in it last week saying well, gosh, we all made mistakes during COVID. Let's just forgive and forget and let's do a reset. Let's have an amnesty for all the mistakes that people made during COVID and let's start over. And that p- 
position has been echoed by Randy Weingarten, the head of the National Teachers Union, who shut down schools. It's been echoed by um, governors who have um, closed businesses. Of course, they want to forgive and forget because they have made so many mistakes and they're unaccountable for them. And they want to go ahead and just move on and say, well, you know what? We really didn't know what was going on. Let's just all say, you know what? Mea culpa and, uh, and let's do kumbaya. And that's not how it works. We, there were mistakes made because the people in power were trying to harness their power and control people. And there's no accountability for it. And the worst, the worst of all of this, was Tony Fauci. And uh, he is probably the um, uh, poster child for unaccountability and for um, for conflicts of interest. Um, I'm going to, I don't want to get into this and then have a break, but stay with us. Um, because again, this is why we need to have Republicans in Congress so that the people who hurt our country over the last two years and who didn't learn from the mistakes, but who wanted to continue to double down and in some cases are still doubling down and tripling down are not held accountable and they need to be. So stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for, for your health care freedom is your and preserving the, the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. In 2009, the membership organization Docs... Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. Stacey Abrams wants to be our next governor, but listen to what she had to say about Georgia. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. We are the Welcome back into the doctor's lounge. 
Um, I'm today devoting this show, the, um, the, this is the, the last show that I'm going to talk politics for a while because I am, I am bored with politics. I'm tired of it, but they are absolutely quintessential. It's, it's so important this year because we are at a crossroads for healthcare. And, um, if the, uh, if the Democrats um, are controlling Congress, they are flying under the radar, doing things to you and hurting you um, and hurting your health care behind your back um, without you even knowing it. And um, and this is something that that uh, is is really um, health care was the most important issue in the past, but with so many distractions this year, this uh, healthcare has been pushed uh, into the, the back benches, uh, much to the delight of the left because they can operate in the shadows as far as healthcare is concerned. Case in point is what's happened with um, uh, Anthony Fauci and, and uh, his, his uh, conflict of interest uh, during the pandemic, um, fortunately for Americans, there is a watchdog in the Senate who is critical of Fauci and does not buy the the garbage that he's trying to peddle, and that's Rand Paul. And Rand Paul, like him or don't like him, he's. He's not, he is not stupid. He's a doctor. He understands how to read medical journals, how to read papers, how to analyze data. We all do as doctors. It's a skill set that we all learn how to, um, how to hone. And, and, um, people who are not doctors can accept the, 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 Garbage that Fauci is is uh, dealing out, but Rand Paul doesn't. And um, what Rand Paul has been asking, the question he has been interested in, is about royalty payments that have gone to NIH doctors under the table, and that being the case. During the pandemic, was there a conflict of interest when people like Fauci are pushing vaccines that aren't really truly vaccines, they're shots, they're genetic engineering with mRNA, and and uh, and without any data to support their their use. So, um, Rand Paul asked the question, quote, we've been asking you, Dr. Fauci, and you refuse to answer whether anybody on the vaccine committees get royalties from the pharmaceutical companies. He went on to say, I asked you last time, and what was your response? And he responded, we don't have to tell you. Well, when we get in charge we're going to change the rules, and you will have to divulge where you get your royalties from. 
from what companies, and if anybody on the committee has a conflict of interest. We are going to learn about it. I promise you that. And I certainly hope that that happens. And that's why it is so mission critical to not allow the Democrats to retain the control of the Senate, because we will never get to the to the um, the the bottom line. We will never get to the answers that need to be um, uh, um, unmasked without there being a change in leadership in the Senate. This this is so important, and let me just give you an idea of what this is all about. Um, in June, Rand Paul asked Fauci about $194 million that were given to 18,000 NIH employees between 2010 and 2016. Um, That number has gone up, actually. If you go 2010 to 2020, an additional four years, it goes up to $350 million in royalties. Now, let me frame this for you a little bit. Federal law does allow scientists at universities and at government institutions to receive royalty payments from private companies for federally funded research. That's been codified under the Bayh-Dole Act of 1980. What is unethical is if they are receiving royalty payments and then they are creating public policy, or worse, public policy means recommendations. But if they are uh, creating mandates and they are receiving money from the companies for which they are mandating you receive a shot, that is not only unethical, but it is malpractice. And there should be, these doctors should be the ones who lose their licenses. These are the ones who should be, um, should be, uh, held accountable for shutting down our economy, for teachers losing their jobs because they won't get a jab, for the heroes of the pandemic initially, the firefighters and the first responders, the policemen, the EMT people, they should be getting their jobs back with back pay, the ones who didn't want to get the jab and who were fired, all because of the policies that were created by these individuals who were making millions of dollars promoting a a treatment that was unproven and may actually be detrimental. We don't know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to put out any, any, um, allegations that this is, that the treatment for COVID's, for COVID or, um, you know, what the, 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 uh, injections or the boosters 
are a problem. We do know that they don't prevent COVID. We do know that it doesn't prevent the spread of COVID. And those were the allegations that were being made. Those were the the um, reasons, according to Fauci and um, others at uh, the NIH and um, and the uh, CDC and the National Inst- and the um, uh, and uh, the WHO. This is the the party line that they were using to um, strong arm people into getting the injections and people who were critical of this were the ones who were being punished again because of the people in charge the leftists who are trying to consolidate power and squash any kind of dissent this is why they cannot they must not be in power Case in point, California. California, which is a completely Democrat-run state, a place where there is no freedom. California physicians and surgeons can lose their medical licenses if they are found to be disseminating, quote, misinformation or disinformation about COVID-19. This is because of a new bill that was just signed into law, AB 2098 by Governor Gavin Newsom, a staunch leftist, which expands the definition of, quote, unprofessional conduct to include going off message on COVID-19. This is the whole argument that the government is the arbiter of what scientific information is. This is never in the history of, of the planet, except for times dating back to the papacy with putting down people like Galileo. This has never been part of scientific discourse. Scientific discourse depends on on um, on debate. It depends on questioning. It depends on critical thinking. But the left doesn't want that. They don't care. They want to define what it is that is science. They want to define what settled science is, much like they have done with climate change. And anybody who dares to deviate from that is dangerous. They are a danger to their patients. They're a danger to society. What they really are is a danger to the power-hungry leftists who are trying to consolidate their power and control the public. And, and so... This is, this is again why the left cannot be in charge because if they are, more, more draconian measures are going to be in place where they're going to define what 
sciences, what you're allowed to speak about scientifically, and anybody who dares to be a critical thinker and who is a contrarian and questions the orthodoxy can um, not just be humiliated and be um, you know, marginalized, but they can lose their jobs or lose their license. That's not science, and that's not the country we live in. But this is what the country that the left wants us to live in. This is why they cannot be trusted with the levers of power. Um, there is still a national COVID emergency, as as difficult as that is to believe, despite the fact that President Obama, no, I'm sorry, I, 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 I really do mean President Obama, but President Biden, on in an interview that everybody heard, said that the pandemic was over. Now, he had to walk that back because, you know, he... Uh, he Said something that that uh, he really probably does believe, but that does not meet the narrative of the left. But it is absolutely astonishing that the White House continues to um, request billions of dollars to fight the COVID pandemic. And the dollars are not going to fighting the pandemic. They're basically doing bait and switch. They are, it's a Ponzi scheme. They're taking money that's supposed to go for the COVID pandemic, which is really over, and they are using that money for other reasons. And there are bills in Congress right now to end the COVID national emergency declaration. But as long as the Democrats are in power, they will not take it up. Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat from Oregon, who is the uh, chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, has pledged to block any resolution that ends the national COVID emergency declaration, which is ridiculous. But the reason they won't end it is because this is the scheme to divert money into all of their pet projects that have nothing to do with COVID. It's costing the taxpayers billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. And it is adding to the, um, to the inflation and to the, the strife that, that average Americans are, are feeling on a daily basis. This is why the left cannot be, um, uh, the, the Democrats cannot be left in power to control the levers of power in Congress. Um, you know, the the fears about the COVID pandemic are being fueled by the left to keep up this myth of a hypothetical national emergency. And they're doing it in um, fear of some potential problem in the future. And you can't have a healthcare policy that is based on fear of things that haven't happened yet, but may happen in the future. We will address those things if they happen. But what we have already 
been through is over. The immediate crisis is gone. We have a crisis in healthcare workers. There's no, there's not enough healthcare workers. That's what we should be devoting our efforts into solving, not the COVID pandemic, which created the shortage of, of workers in the healthcare sector. We do have crises um, related to COVID. One is long COVID. It's a new thing that we know happens because of the long-standing effects of COVID, which are real. And there are a lot of people who are developing unusual symptoms because of COVID um, uh, that that persist even after the infection is gone. That's the long COVID. Um, the other big problem is the effect of the vaccines, which we don't know about. And I use vaccines in quotation air quotes because it's not really a vaccine vaccination a vaccination is by definition using uh a, the the offending um uh uh, germ, whether it is a virus or a bacteria, to use a, a attenuated a form of that to um, allow your body to develop immunity to that to that particular um, uh, uh, infection. And what this COVID jab is, it's an mRNA technology which gears up your genetic material to produce. Um, uh, Antibodies, which we don't know how long they last. We know how long they last when we use um, uh, historical vaccinations, but we don't know anything about the mRNA-derived uh, 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 shots. And more importantly, we don't know what the long-term effects of these are, the effects on on um, the uh, the host and their genetic ability, their genetic material. We just don't know that. And there's a lot of a lot of unanswered questions that we just don't know that um, are are really um, are really puzzling. There've been a lot of young people who have have died of unusual causes, unusual reasons that um, that defy any kind of explanation. Um, and we don't know why that is, but, you know, it, it, we can infer that it has to do with vac- these, these shots, these, quote, vaccinations, but we don't know that, and we won't know that. Uh, in the current climate because we don't do the necessary um, um, scientific trials to answer these questions. Again, it's all been politicized. And the, the Democrats, um, they, they stir up fears. And, um, and these fears live in the hearts of liberals and Democrats much more than they do in Republicans. A, a poll that was conducted in January of this year found that um, that Democrats support draconian policies in response to the viruses. And 59% of Democrats favored forcibly confining unvaccinated patients, uh, unvaccinated people into their homes. Only 17% of Republicans failed that. 78% of Democrats were in favor of, of Joe Biden's government enforced vaccine mandate for private businesses, um, while um, just 34% of voters overall, including independents and Republicans, favored that. And so it's very interesting because this is all Marxist kind of ideology. 
and um, it has to do with the desire on the part of the left to impose authoritarianism on America. And um, the fears that have been uh, sowed were unfounded, but they're doing the trick. People are still afraid. You still see people walking around with their masks on, um, their virtue signaling, but they're afraid of COVID because the media and the left has done a splendid job of of uh, stirring the pot and scaring them into thinking that they're going to be vulnerable and this is never going away. Um, I'm going to give you a quote from... Uh, from uh, a gentleman who wrote a very interesting uh, opinion um, in the Heartland News. Quote, from Marx to the Bolsheviks, to America's left intellectuals, the left has long held to this dream of perfecting humanity. We are flawed only because individuals have the freedom to do as they wish. If only we all got behind this unachievable goal of ending poverty, stopping climate change, stopping a super infectious virus, it would happen. But it never happens. Only misery follows every time. And that is what happens when the left is in control of the levers of power. This is why they cannot be allowed to retain the leadership roles in the Senate and in the House. There was an interesting uh, panel that um, that convened at the uh, Academy for Science and Freedom um, at Hillsdale College, and it was a uh, a panel of of people who have spoken out against this COVID response by the government. And um, many um, very, um, very smart doctors and PhDs and intellectuals and people who we've seen on TV and, and heard on radio and read their read their um, their editorials. But the the panel was convened to look at how to win back the public's trust on health and science, and it was actually <laughs> quite quite eye-opening. <coughs> Excuse me, dry mouth. Sip of my Starbucks coffee right there. So they outlined 10 principles to guide public health officials and scientists to ensure the credibility of the public health recommendations and to help restore the public trust, which is so important because without a a, a credible public health um, authority. The public is in the dark about how to respond to true emergencies, but we don't have an honest public health sector. They are politicized and they are corrupted by money from from the private sector, as I said earlier. And so we need to win back the public trust in this panel came up with 10 recommendations, which I'm going to briefly go through as I end this show. Number one, all public health advice should consider the impact on all overall health, not just solely concerned with a single disease. Number two, public health is about everyone, and it needs to protect the most vulnerable, including children, low-income families, persons with disabilities, and the elderly, and as you know, all of those 
groups were hurt by this response. Number three, public health advice should be adapted to the needs of each, each population. Number four, public health is about comparative risk evaluations and risk reduction and reducing uncertainties using the best available evidence. Since risk usually cannot be entirely eliminated, you can't make risk zero. Number five, the public health requires public trust and it should never employ fear or shame. It is there for guidance and not to uh, manipulate the public. Number six, medical intervention should not be forced or coerced. It's supposed to be informed consent. Public health officials are advisors, not rule setters, and provide information and resources for individuals to make informed decisions. Number seven, public health authorities must be honest and transparent. Advice should be evidence-based and explained by data, and authorities must acknowledge errors, and they should be able to make changes as evidence comes to, comes to light. Number eight, they need to avoid public, or they need to avoid conflicts of interest. Number nine, in public health, open, civilized debate is profoundly important. It is unacceptable for public health professionals to censor, silence, or intimidate members of the public or other public health scientists or practitioners. And number 10, it is critical for public health scientists and practitioners to always listen to the public who are living the public health consequences of public health decisions and to adapt appropriately. This is the prescription for winning back confidence in public health. It will not happen under the Democrats. I promise you that's exactly against what they want to see because this gives people the ability to make decisions and takes away control from the government. So please, if you have not voted, I think I've made a case today why your vote counts and how you should vote. So I won't be talking about politics again next time I'm on. I have some interesting topics to discuss. Happy Election Day. Thanks for being with us today, and we'll see you next time in the Doctor's Lounge. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.